to Global Solutions 2, podcast for module three, the dependency matrix. So what do we mean by the dependency matrix? Well, basically it's the various ways in which the global financial system and the aid system really doesn't help support the rise of self-sufficiency economic development in the less off countries of the world. What we discover is that there's much more wealth that's being transferred from the less developed countries of the world to the developed countries of the world. And in fact, it's a kind of aid in reverse. So that to give an example, in 2012, the last year of recorded data, developing countries received a total of 1.3 trillion, including all aid, investment and income from abroad. But that same year, some 3.3 trillion flowed out of them. In other words, developing countries sent 2 trillion more to the rest of the world than they received. If we look at all the years since 1980, these net outflows add up to an eye-popping total of 16.3 trillion. So this is coming from the observations, facts and figures in an article by Jason Hickel. And I really um, recommend that you read the articles and the various sources in the slide presentation and pay a particular attention to the documentary Poverty Inc which really does a great job of analysing how the global aid system works. And really what we need to do is locate some of the key issues with that global aid system. To quote a Ghanaian tech entrepreneur, I don't know of any country in the world where a bunch of foreigners came and developed the country. I don't know one. Japan? Question mark. Korea? No. No country did that. I know about countries that develop trade and innovation and business. The express purpose of aid is to promote economic self-sufficiency. It's supposed to promote each country's ability to grow economically and to provide more for their people so that we can eradicate poverty and also give self-sufficiency and opportunity to all people of the world. But that's not exactly how it works or what happens. One of the reasons why it doesn't work that way is because aid, in fact, doesn't go to the most needy countries of the world. Most of it goes to countries that the countries who are sending it have political or trade interests in. So aid is used to promote trade of the countries who send it and to promote their own interests and as a form of political leverage and lobbying. Aid isn't detached from all those considerations. It is part of a mechanism of promotion of self-interest of the country that is giving the aid. If you look at the big countries in the world in terms of the aid that they use, it is particularly directed to those countries where they are, in a sense, trying to support trading with that country and also political influence over that country. 
I'd like to paint a picture for you of a local economy where you have small-scale farmers, people making clothes, people making shoes, all sorts of small, medium businesses, which usually form part of an economy and in fact a substantial part of any economy. Now imagine in that town, because there were some people who were very poor and because there were outsiders who wanted to help, who had this idea of providing things for the needy, but also they are in the business of promoting and selling their own goods and they like to have influence over what happens in that town. Now imagine they started sending lots of free food, lots of free clothes, lots of free goods. What do we imagine would happen to the local economy of that town? Well, yes, if people can actually have free clothes for free, if they are given food, and if goods come that people don't have to pay for, then they stop buying from all those people who are making those things or who are growing food. So in actual fact, aid around the globe has destroyed and undermined local innovation, local business, local productivity. It's actually worse than that because when aid is sent to a country, it often comes with attachments, especially if it comes through the big international transnational organizations. Some of those are that they don't want the country to subsidize their own industries. So I saw an example of this myself in Ghana, where the government was given loans by the IMF, World Bank, but they were conditional. And these policies at the time were called structural adjustment policies. That yes, that country could have loans to do development projects, but they must stop subsidizing their own industries, helping farmers out like rice farmers or any other part of their economy where there was intervention by the state to support it. As a result, these subsidies that were produced by the government to support their own industries disappeared. And this resulted in areas of the country that used to grow rice to no longer grow rice. So I traveled to those areas and spoke to the people and they basically, you go into their houses and their warehouses and what's there? U.S. rice, cheap U.S. rice which has been sent from America and which incidentally is subsidized. Agricultural products are subsidized in Europe and America, but these countries were being told that please don't subsidize your own industry or your own agriculture. Don't protect it from the free market. And then, of course, they were subject to all these cheap goods coming in and food being very cheap or being sent as part of aid. And it had a very negative effect on the local economy. All the rice farmers went out of business, they told me. You could see the fields were no longer growing rice. They were eating American rice, which, as I said, is subsidized. 
And their children had gone to the big cities because there was nothing for them to do, nothing for them uh, to sustain them, which had a negative social impact as well because um, there weren't enough jobs in the big cities, so it was very difficult to survive. You had a whole series of consequences that came about through what seemingly would be a good intention of helping and supporting a country but actually having a completely double standard of requiring a country whose economy is much more prone to shocks, more fragile, and where a lot of people live on a razor margin of profit and salaries to sustain themselves. And then you go about systematically dismantling those businesses and that self-sufficiency through aid and through these policies. So that has a very negative and damaging effect. And in actual fact, if we analyze aid, we don't find that it has produced economic benefits to the countries that have received the aid. What we can see that in many instances, it has stifled or crushed local entrepreneurs and local businesses and shut them down. In Ghana, the textile industry basically disappeared. And that was a strong aspect of the culture and the economy. And one of the reasons for that is all the cheap clothes coming from charity shops. Yep, the clothes that were being given to charity shops were ending up being dumped by those charity shops that can't resell them in Europe and America and elsewhere. So they go to Rotterdam and they get put in these big containers and then they're sold extremely cheaply to other countries in Africa. And they end up in these markets in Africa, in Accra. I traveled around them. I saw them for myself. There's piles and piles and piles and piles of clothes that had come from America and Europe, which were exceedingly cheap. You would think, okay, well, surely that's a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. It's a disaster. Because what happens to all the people who were employed in the textile industry? They all went out of business and the textile industry collapsed. There's a complete lack of joined up thinking and really system analysis of the knock-on effects of all these different strategies. But there is one big fundamental truth here that we need to realize that the wealthy countries of the world use the mechanisms of the IMF, the World Trade Organizations, and aid for their own benefit. Yes, of course, global trade has resulted in progress, in an increase in wealth in many places, in development. But substantially, the wealth is flowing from the less developed countries, from the countries where most of the people are who don't have enough to eat and enough to live on and enough opportunity. The wealth is going from there to the wealthy nations, not the other way around. What we really need to understand is that the wealthy nations have a dominant position and that gives them a lot of leverage. And they use that leverage in order to get the best advantage for themselves, in order to extract 
cheap labor and resources from the less developed countries. Think about it. Where does all the metal, the wood, the cocoa, the coffee, all the commodities, all the raw resources, all the palm oil, everything that goes into the production line where value is added in order to produce products in the wealthy nations. It's coming from Africa. It's coming from South America. It's coming from Indonesia and other places. They are held in a position of basically supplying the world with resources. But although we call the whole system global free trade, is not as free as you think, because there are tariffs imposed by the wealthy nations to actually inhibit the less developed countries of the world from adding value to their own products so that they can export them as products higher up the production chain, as in not just selling cocoa, but selling the chocolate bars and confectionery and everything else. And the same applies to many uh, fundamental commodities and resources. It's not completely free. There are tariffs and tariffs are imposed that actually stop agricultural product being competitive from the least developed countries of the world. For those who have analysed it and looked deeply into it, and you can actually hear what they say and listen to all the arguments and hear the reasoning, really we have a situation where the global trade system and the aid system is not doing the job of promoting economic development and self-sufficiency for a huge portion of the world's population. Another really important point and aspect of this is money often ends up in the hands of corrupt individuals, governments, because they are not as strong in their democracy, not as strong in their development of all the mechanisms for oversight and control and proper use of resources and so, and so on. So we have so many cases and so much um, research that shows that a lot of money goes to waste or actually gets used for even corrupt purposes and so on. It has to be said that the international organizations and so on are not applying a stringent enough standard in terms of the oversight and not allowing for corruption to actually undermine the benefits or the potential benefits of any of the trade arrangements or aid or development funds and so on. For many people who analyze this, there's a really poor job being done in this regard. Of course, there are always cases where there are some successes, there is some development, there is some progress, but substantially, we are in a situation of global inequality, of massive disparity of wealth and of the use of global resources, and really a situation where the great project, if you'd like to call it, of 
a more equal distribution of wealth and resources and use of those resources and bringing on the rest of humanity to self-sufficiency is failing. Now, you will have people claim that massive amount of poverty has been eradicated. It's true that many millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions have moved up the chain out of absolute poverty. And even in the countries that have successfully developed, such as China, they just recently claimed that they no longer have extreme poverty or poverty. In a previous program, we've analysed the metrics of what people call poverty or extreme poverty. And we find that close to half of humanity is still in poverty or close to poverty or not far beyond poverty, basically way, way, way off from having the kind of resources, choices um, that people in the rest of the world have and use so much less of the world's resources and energy and so on. So there's a, there's a huge imbalance. When we look at this, of course, people will point to where there has been progress. People will point to cases where there's some real development and success stories. What we're looking at is the overall structure of it, how it works. And basically, we're unmasking it and saying, this isn't doing the job at all. And actually, the truth is that wealth is being taken from the less developed nations substantially to give to the wealthiest nations. They use their leverage substantially to their own advantage. And really, it is based on a competitive model. And those that can compete best set the terms for everybody else. And they set terms that are most advantageous to themselves. And that's how the system is working. And that is not fit for purpose anymore. And we need a different model that genuinely leads to global development of opportunity and self-sufficiency of the people of the rest of the world. Do delve into various avenues that are open and resources in the slide presentation. Tackle the assignments, express your thoughts in the forum, and then we will talk about these issues in the webinar on Saturday. Okay, that's it for now.